With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. Each razor has stainless steel blades and aloe vera lubricating strip and a pivot head. It's so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and 10 blades? Your handsome ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, pop up! Stop paying for shave tech you don't need. And stop forgetting to buy your blades every month. Alejandro and I are gonna ship them right to you. We're not just selling razors, we're also making new jobs. Alejandro, what were you doing last month? Not working. What are you doing now? Working. I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train makes hay. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're gonna stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are dollarshaveclub.com and the party is on. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq, Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is, if getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. 
you'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now, 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible, affordable, relevant. Call 800-910-1370. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800-783-0810. The following program may contain coarse language and adult themes. It will definitely uh, contain references to things like machetes and shanklas. Listener discretion is advised. Hello from planet Earth. I am your hostess for the evening, Aggie, and welcome to another episode of He Said, She Said. With me tonight is my beloved producer and guest host, Rick. How are you doing this evening? How dare you assume (laughs) my planetary coordinates, ma'am? You know, you know what we do when we assume we make an ass out of you and me. (laughs) <laughs> I am actually doing all right. It is cold as I'll get out here, so I'm I'm doing my best to not do the radio show while my teeth are chattering, but I, I'm all right. 
I know. Yeah, I, we had a we had a bit of a cold snap this week. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm in my hoodie footy, you know, <laughs> with my hood up and everything because it's cold. <laughs> my laptop is up against the the window, so it's a little colder for me. I haven't gone that far yet. I'm too damn stubborn. I'm still hanging out in shorts and a t-shirt because team no pants. But I uh, I will rip it. Technically, that I'm it's cold. not a no. It's not a pant. It's a onesie. So technically, it's not pants. I'm is, just saying. Is it? Are Are you covered below the knees? Yes. Then they're pants. Shut it. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> if you are covered below the knees, they're pants. I don't want to hear it. I need a ruling from the chat. If she's covered below the knees, are they pants or no? Uh, fine. I will concede, but I will say that sometimes pants are necessary to keep warm. I'm just saying. I I mean, I I freely admit I would be less cold if I had pants on. I just refuse. I mean, I'm not not saying you've done anything wrong. I'm just saying as a staunch proponent of Team No Pants, unless I absolutely have to put them on, I will not. I will likely be putting on some form of pajama pants before I go to bed, which will probably happen shortly after we wrap tonight, because... I'm tired. <laughs> I know. It, it has been a very long, tiring weekend. I think the cold had a lot to do with it. Because, I, I mean, it, it, for some reason, if it's too cold, I don't I don't sleep very well if it's cold. So I've been getting up. I mean, this morning I woke up and I was like, what time is this? Like 10 till 6. <laughs> I was so pissed off, mm. but I couldn't fall back asleep. I was well, just too cold. So. Apparently, I either can't get a ruling from the chat, or we have another problem because when I tried. Oh to no, 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 no! They they all said Mike said pants, and he said pants. Raptor okay. said pants. Well, then I guess I'm going to have to relaunch because I'm getting a critical error when I try to get into the chat room. <laughs> oh no! It's saying too but, you a know. WordPress issue. I'm like, I've not seen this. Mike before. did the, uh, yeah, Mike did the obligatory team no pants gif. Well, as long as it's working for everybody else, I will figure it out. But yeah, it was kind of freaking me out for a second because I was like, why does it say I can't get into the chat room? Probably the chat is too cold. Oh, wait, there it that goes. That could be it. So it's weird because when, okay. when I clicked on the listen now, it said no. But when I just typed it in as KLR Radio forward slash chat, it worked. Weird. Oh, well, I'm here now. So, yeah. Yay. <laughs> So, we didn't really talk talk about much that we were going to talk about, but I kind of feel like I I have to talk about this because what the fuck is going on? So, San Francisco just decided they're going to start giving monthly stipend payments to transgenders. I'm ready to change my name to Mary and move to San Francisco. I, I don't understand the logic behind this because San Francisco has a huge homeless problem. And most of them do not fall under the transgender, um, you know, definition. So I, I find it, I, I kind of, I find it very insulting that they're pandering in this manner, especially when they have A, such a huge, huge homeless population, and B, that they are basically giving preferential treatment to one class of people over all others. And, you know, where I come from, that's kind of a big no-no. 
Well, so I guess the only upside I have is it is San Francisco and it's twelve hundred dollars a month. That won't even buy you a case of beer in San Francisco, so I'm not sure what the big deal is. Um, but no, I mean it's just it's just we we live in a very strange world right now because they're literally giving people money because they're trying to make transgender a protected class. And the funny thing is they actually call this thing the gift program. The gift program? Wow. I don't I don't see I, I mean I don't having a protected class is very very dangerous. Um it's a it's it's not a slippery slope, it's a fucking avalanche. And they they don't see that this is gonna this is gonna bite that government that city government in the ass real quick. And personally speaking, I'm I'm like if you're gonna do that for the transgender, I am sure that another class is gonna pipe up, well what about us? And then another one will pipe up, well what about us? And it's going to I mean it, it, seriously, it's it's gonna there's gonna be a huge domino effect. I think I'm running out of metaphors, but okay. Yeah, you did fine. <laughs> I don't understand why they're doing it, and frankly, I'm at the point where, you know what, San Francisco is just too far gone. Yeah, so so just in case you've been living under a rock, this actually broke, I believe it was either yesterday or today. Um, so what they've done is they have launched what is called the Guaranteed Income for transgender people. However, they're dropping the P from the acronym and just calling it GIFT, G-I-F-T. Um, as far as, from what I can see without going too far into it, you literally, if you live there, can qualify by selecting any of the, I believe it's 89 gender San Francisco now recognizes that are not he, she. In your application process. <sighs> I just cannot with these people. There, uh, like I said, it does not hold up to federal law standards. Um, everywhere you turn, you have laws against. Um, I mean, you have the equal opportunity laws that are in place to protect people from preferential treatment one over the other, regardless of sex, gender, nationality, creed you know, race, you know, all, all of these things that are in place. And now you have a city that's purposely going to elevate one class of people over others for what, brownie points? So yeah, just, just to kind of give you an idea of what this looks like, I clicked on the link. It says, Guaranteed Income for Transgender People. Applications open 11 15 uh, through 12-15-2022. Guaranteed income for transgender people will provide economically marginalized transgender people with unrestricted monthly guaranteed income as a way to combat poverty our most impacted community members face. The Transgender District and Lion Martin Community Health Services in partnership with municipal city departments in the city and the county of San Francisco will provide 55 Wow, 55 transgender residents of San Francisco County with $1,200 a month in guaranteed income for a year and a half. So not only are they trying to make it a predictive class, but you they're only going to authorize the payment for 55 people. I, I, can, I can suddenly see transgender knife fights happening in San Francisco. Uh, you got the money I wanted. Wow. I'm going to cut you. <laughs> so, 
only 55 people. And I, for what purpose? What are they trying to achieve here? So they're because it's not a pilot program. Well, I mean, so it goes on to explain. They're going to be guaranteed $1,200 a month and guaranteed income for a year and a half. The program will prioritize enrollment of transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, and intersex people who are also black, indigenous, or people of color, experiencing homelessness, living with disabilities, and chronic illnesses, youth and elders, a monolingual Spanish speakers, and those who are legally vulnerable, such as TGI people who are undocumented, engaging in survival sex trades, or are formally incarcerated, or formerly incarcerated. So, Wow, that's very specific. You think? I kind of thought Extremely so too. specific. So you, I, I bet you anything, they know all these people already. I mean, it's dude. It, it, if they're literally only gonna approve this for fifty-five people, I guarantee you they already know all fifty-five. Yeah, they have to know. And, and this is this is not a gift program. This is a grift program. Exactly. So, so just to make sure we're on the same page, and, and anybody that lives in San Francisco that's listening, if you want to try for it, I guess you can. But I guarantee you, they already know all fifty-five. Eligibility requirements: eighteen plus. Identify as transgender. Non-binary, gender non-conforming, or intersex. Live in the city and county of San Francisco, California. Earn less than $600 per month. Complete and submit the application and provide all supporting documents. Release of information, photo ID, proof, proof of residence, income, and verification. Alright, so hang on just a second. Because they... they... <laughs> So, the same people that are telling me that having somebody show an ID is racist when they vote is going to require somebody to show an ID to give them $1,200 a month for a year and a half. Uh, yeah, you, the fix is in here. Up, we, this is way too, uh, too sketchy. I'm sorry. This is way too sketchy. It's so narrow. That you're right. They probably already know all of the uh, recipients, and this was in the works for a while. I guarantee you, if they look into it, 55 recipients are probably going to be family members of people that are already on, like, city councils or some shit. I would not doubt it. I would not doubt it. I don't know if you remember, but there was a big scandal in Washington, D.C. with their metro. Um, because it was discovered that Metro people would hire family members. And I mean, they were pulling in six figures to just have a desk job, do nothing all day whatsoever. And then leave, they would come in, sit at a desk, they would play poker on the, on the computer or whatever. They wouldn't do anything. It was the biggest scandal. And guess what was done about it? Nothing. Absolutely (laughs) Absolutely nothing. nothing. So, and you know how they found out about this? One of the subway cars caught fire. (laughs) So it shut down one of the railways into D.C., which meant, you know, that people coming from that certain area could not take the metro that day. They had to either take buses or drive in. And people in D.C. do not know how to drive I, and I can I can attest to it because I was visiting one time when all of Metro shut down for three days. 
And there were so many accidents that they ran out of time reporting all of the accidents during the, the, the news breaks. Nice. That's how bad it was. So the way they found out about it was like there was this fire. So they, you know, they had an investigator come in and they said, well, this, the wiring had never been replaced. Well, it turned out that they had, the city had paid for all of that wiring to be redone twice. All of this money, billions of dollars that go into the metro and it had not been spent. So they started investigating. Well, where did the money go? Well, they were hiring, you know, people were hiring relatives. <laughs> and gr- that's where the money was going. The and I have a feeling. Yeah, I have a feeling that this is a, a, in a smaller scale over in, in San Francisco because it's so narrow. <laughs> Although, you know, $1,200 a month in San Francisco is going to, what does that get you? A, a couple of tricks off of Knob Hill and maybe a Starbucks latte? A, I don't know. I was going to say a decent latte, maybe one trick, and a pack of smokes, and that's probably going to be about it. Probably. Yeah, probably. So that's interesting. I, 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 At first, I thought when I read it, when I read the headline and I heard about it, I thought, so they're going to favor trans, homeless transgenders over the rest. But now it's even more narrow. To the point where... <laughs> to the point where yeah. the fix is in. I mean, there, there's no way around it at this point. No, seriously, not... when, when I was in college, I was looking... You know, they, they had these binders, and it was full of financial aid, scholarships that were available for people to qualify in it. And I remember finding a scholarship that was so specific that nobody could ever apply for it. It was a scholarship that had been founded in 1928, for this specific guy, they named him, who was born on this date, who had this, who was, his parents were this person and this person, who was born on this, in this city, in this hospital, and, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was so specific, it could only go to one person, but it was founded in 1928, the person had long since died, so this, Scholarship is just accruing interest somewhere. <laughs> but, I mean, oh, no. I'm like, no. who does this? Somebody, Why? Some, somebody's <laughs> been given conservatorship of that scholarship by now, and they're probably living off of the interest. Um, I would not doubt it. But before we go any further, since we did mention San Francisco, there has been one piece of good news this week. Since we have retained, or since we have flipped control of the house. A certain Mm -hmm. speaker of the House shall not be seeking any leadership roles in the Democratic Party anymore. So we can officially say... (laughs) To Speaker Pelosi, because she will be no more. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love the the thread that we got picked up by Twitchy. On, uh, you know, describe Nancy Pelosi in one word. And the woman who tweeted that actually was looking for, like, courageous and, you know, just wonderful words. And uh, I I came up with pickled. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I did, too. First thing I thought of was. was the first. First thing I thought of was Mumra. <laughs> Mumra. <laughs> if Brad had embalmed, I was just dying but you know i mean there comes a time when you 
Yes, I get that some people never want to retire from the work. My dad was, he's going to be turning 91. He was 85 when he finally completely retired from working. But he kept, you know, after his first retirement, he kept a part-time job just to keep busy, just to, you know, keep his faculties active and everything. And so I I get that necessity, you know, for people. But she doesn't do anything. (laughs) She literally just sponges off of people. That and she, oh, and she's really good at insider trading. <laughs> Apparently, that's her. That that is uh, one of her talents. But you know, I I cannot think of anything that she has done as representative in that area of California at all, yeah. except to completely gate her residents and keep the homeless away. She managed to do that. But that's the only thing I can recall. Well, I honestly think one of the reasons she's stepping out of the leadership role and trying to step out of the spotlight is because too much shit has come out too quickly about the weird stuff that goes on at her house. Yeah, I think that has... um, I I think that that has something to do with it. I mean, you know, I watch telenovelas. I'm really into it. As a matter of fact, there was, believe it or not... On an episode of Jeopardy that they're running right now, one of the questions was about this prolific writer of this type of TV show in South America. And I just screamed, telenovela, because I knew the writer, because I'd seen at least 15 of his telenovelas growing up. So (laughs) I was like, I love a good telenovela, and this is one. They're trying to keep it quiet. But this is a really juicy telenovela that's going on. And I'm just like, I'm like, you need to give me more. I mean, they they suspended the NBC guy for actually reporting what happened. Yeah. What? And, and, well, and then the body cam footage actually backed up his story, which I think is even more Yes. But, but I yes, have, it did. But, but I, do have a, I, I do have a question regarding the, the Jeopardy, Jeopardy show. So you yelled out telenovela? I did. You know that's the wrong answer because it's not in the format of a question. No, I know. I know. And I corrected myself. I said, What's a, what are telenovelas? And I was still right. Okay. I was still correct. No, Alex, Alex Trebek would have had to say, no, I'm sorry. That should have been in the form of a question. I think, I think the thing that pisses me off right now is that it's Ken Jennings that's doing the hosting, and he just pisses me off no end. I just can't stand the guy. Actually, I, I, the ones that I find that are kind of entertaining are Maya Bialik is doing like the the, the yes, celebrity the Jeopardy. celebrity that that one's actually kind of fun to watch because she is a nerd. A lot of people don't know that, but she is. Well, like she is, I, and and apparently she and Ken Jennings switch off on hosting uh, regular Jeopardy, um, but right now it's Ken, and and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I can't stand that guy. He's such a dick. He really is. Yeah, it's kind of. I don't. It's, it's kind of. Well, it's sorry to mean to step on you, but it's kind of interesting about uh, Ms. Bialik because she went from being Blossom to being like a brain surgeon or something. I was like, how? She's a neuroscientist. <laughs> yeah, neuroscientist. And mm-hmm. she's a neuroscientist. And it's funny because, you know, you and I grew up watching Blossom. And for me, Blossom, I could identify with Blossom because she was very geeky. She was, you know, trying to be a girl in, in a house full of 
guys, you know, she had two older brothers and her dad was a widower. And I, even though I had sisters, you know, my sisters and I did not communicate like normal girls did because I was such a geek that my sisters were all off doing their own thing. And so I, you know, I didn't know about makeup. I didn't know how to do my hair. I didn't do any of those things. And my sisters did. And they just felt that I didn't want to learn. No, it's just that I just didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know how to be a girl. <laughs> Thankfully, my sister figured it out and she helped me out, you know, when I was in high school. But, um, but so I always identify with Blossom because, you know, she was gangly and she was geeky and then, then she was trying to grow up and everything. And she had to do it on her own which is what I had to do. And then, you know, you saw her later on in, in other movies and other TV shows. And, and then she was a big bang theory, you know, actually portraying a scientist. And it always cracked me up because she would be interviewed and say, what's it like to portray, you know, somebody that's smart. And then she would look at them. It's like, well, I'm actually a neuroscientist. Like <laughs> it's, it's not news. Everybody knows. <laughs> the funny thing is, they did, I think in the first couple of interviews, they legit asked her that question, because I actually remember I was watching one. It was it was part of, like, something to do with, like, after the Big Bang Theory had ended, they were re-airing some of the stuff, uh, like, a, as a never-before-seen thing or something, and she's, like, sitting down for this interview, and they're like, and they legit asked her, so how does it feel to have to play an actor of above, or I play a character of above average intelligence. And she's like, you realize I'm a neuroscientist, right? <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> and she is, she's one of those people that, you know, a true Renaissance person. I mean, she's, she is a good actress. She, um, she does a great podcast. Um, she's a neuroscientist in her own right and does work. She has published papers in, in her field. She, I mean, she does a lot of, and, and she's a mom. So she has mom stuff that she, she does on the side, you know, uh, uh, I know that she had a blog for, um, homeschooling and, you know, all this seriously, she does a lot of stuff and she's very involved with her family and she's very involved in everything that she does. So it, she's somebody. She's somebody that girls should look up to, and that's one of the women that I always, you know, like to put forth as a good example of someone who can prioritize stuff in her life. But she, she also knows she cannot do it all. She takes breaks so that she can finish whatever it is that she's doing over here, you know. And you know that's why for a long time you didn't see her acting. She was trying to finish her schooling, she was raising a family, you know, that kind of thing. And then she went back to acting when that cooled off and everything. But that this is a person that I really admire because she has figured out that, no, you can't do it all, but you can do a lot of it in segments, you know, and, and that will satisfy your life. And that's, you know, that's a good, a good point that she's made. Much better than most feminists that have always shoved down your throat that women can do it all and don't need men to do it, which is stupid and dumb. Well, I mean that that's BS anyway. But I I, mm -hmm. I, want, I want to back up to a point you made earlier about you know you relating to her because she was a she kind of reminded you of you growing up because she was you know this that and the other. The interesting thing for me is growing up as a Gen Xer. Um, I was a latchkey kid by age eight because my parents got divorced when I was eight and a half. 
Um, my brother was one, so I spent most of my childhood being a surrogate mom and dad to my brother because my mom was never home. So as far as parenting, things like that, anything that, 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 that kind of made me decide how I was going to be if I ever had kids, because believe me, for a long time that was in question, um, were things like The Cosby Show and My Two Dads and Full House mm-hmm. and all those things that we used to watch growing up. That's actually kind of how I learned to be a dad because I didn't have that kind of example. And so it's, it's just interesting because, you know, you mentioned that you would relate it to her. Honestly, for me, I, I was always what even even my, my mom's and, and my dad's friends, the few that they had, would always called me an old soul because I was like having conversations with 30 and 40 year olds by age 15 and like holding my own with them. And they're like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> So I always, I always kind of related more to the, the parental figures, but I think that's because I was basically taking care of my brother from age one until he was like 16 when I moved out. Well, like I said, I, I, I would relate to Blossom, but I was already a mid-teen when she was portraying a 10-year-old. So I was, I was very much a late bloomer, socially speaking, and... Um, but because of my dad and my mom and how they would conduct interrogations <laughs> with their children, <laughs> I kind of learned to, you know, speak to adults well before I was speaking to people my age and people younger. So that's why I said that I kind of identified with her in that respect, even though she the character that she portrayed at the time was five or six years younger than I was at the time that I was watching the show because I was such a late bloomer. But yeah, I was, I was, I was like that too. I was more comfortable with adults than I was with people my age for that reason. So, so she kind of helped me to find my girly side in a way because she was going through the same problems that I still had. So that's why I identified with her. Well, thank God for that, because some of us are really fond of your beauty side. I'm, just saying. <laughs> I'm still a geek at heart. Everybody knows this. For goodness sake, I have I have little baby Yoda <laughs> next to my bed. <laughs> Dude, my bestie and I talk back and forth in Latin when we're trying to confuse people. So you're 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 preaching to the choir. Okay, I'm not that bad. Mostly. <laughs> I had somebody tweet at me about my, um, they took a screenshot of my bio at Twitter and they said that it was Teufelish and I was, and I, I was tempted to respond in German to see what they would say. <laughs> but then I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But I have had. I've had Germans actually tweet at me in German and I have responded and I've surprised people. And I'm like, okay, I don't speak it very well, but I can write it. Speaking, it just gives me a headache. It is the most guttural language that I've ever had to experience. And I just absolutely hate speaking it, but I can read it and I can write it. I'm not gonna, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. My, my, my Latin pronunciation probably has a lot more of like a Latino <laughs> slang to it because <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it, that, that was actually kind of what made me 
get interested in Latin, to be honest, is I started learning Spanish, and then I realized that Spanish, Italian, and French all basically came from, they were derivatives of the same language. So as I started learning bits and pieces of each one, I started being able to put together some Latin stuff, and then when I started running my own businesses, eventually I got tired of hiring attorneys to do all the shit that I could figure out how to do on my own, so I became pretty fluent in Latin, because you kind of have to be to be able to file legal documentation. Um, and it was funny, because I put something out on my Facebook page almost a year and a half ago, and this was back when, actually, I guess it was almost two years ago. It was back when my uh, now best friend and I just started talking again, and I had put something about family first, family always in Latin, so she she posted on the Facebook page, or my Facebook post, I didn't realize you spoke Latin, so then we started talking back and forth in Latin on the Facebook post, and everybody's like, God, you guys are fucking nerds. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, you know what, it, it's not nerdy to actually speak a different language. It's actually, you know, it, it keeps your brain active. It makes your brain work hard to, you know, keep itself sharp. So, and, and admittedly, sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm such a, I'm too old to learn a new language. It's not about learning a new language. It's about making your brain work for it and making your brain, you know, start to make those connections again. You know, cause that, you, you don't want your brain to like become all rusty and stuff. Yeah. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I kind of started dusting it off again, because I mean, I hadn't, because I had no real use for it anymore, and then I just decided, it's like, you know, what's your right But yeah, it seems like, and then the funny thing is, we were texting back and forth one day, and she had texted me about feeling completely alone, because, you know, we've been going through kind of the same stuff, so I texted back in Latin, never alone, which is basically non cum solis. So she showed it to her daughter. <laughs> her daughter texted me back on her own. She says, what the hell does num yum souls mean? It's <laughs> like no, that's the so at this time. So by by then, Ash is texting me, laughing her ass off because her daughter's confused about what the hell I just said. So I finally told her, I said, "No, it's Latin for never alone." She's like, "Oh, you guys are so sweet." It's like, yeah, stop, stop picking on me. <laughs> I know it's like here you are, be being really nice to the mom, and she's like, "Why are you being such a geek?" And you're like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally being nice to your mom. Cut me some slack. <laughs> oh no, she just she was just trying to. She didn't understand it. She's like, "What the hell does no ah. souls mean?" <laughs> so she she was laughing. Ash was laughing. I was laughing, and I'm like, "No, that's not." I said, "Never alone in Latin." She's like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> that is too cute. I had a. I, I've had a lot of people. Whenever I respond in, in French or in Spanish, you know, it's like we're the, we're in we're in the U.S. You know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, yes, that's why I can do this. <laughs> I mean, there are there are several countries where they don't allow you to have you know speak different languages. I mean, there was a time, uh, you know, the Iron Curtain countries could only speak their native tongue and Russian, and that's it. I mean, you could not communicate in any other... It was illegal. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's kind of a... It's a perk about living here. It's kind of cool. And and admittedly, we do not have an official language in the U.S. It's just understood that it's English because that's mo mostly what the official, you know, 
documents are done in, but, um, you know, you go to other state, you know, other territories, they do have official languages. A lot of people don't know, but the official language in Puerto Rico is English and then Spanish. So they, they have two. But English is the true official language, even though everybody speaks Spanish. So, I think Jeff is trying. To get, I think Jeff is trying to get your attention in chat. Uh yeah, with Finnish, and I'm like, okay, I'm not there yet, Jeff. <laughs> give me some, give me some time. <laughs> no, so. although I, I do have, I do have a member of my family. She is trying to learn Finnish and Icelandic, and I'm like, yeah, you go. <laughs> away <laughs> I don't want to deal with that so so, just to annoy these people the next time they start tweeting at you and saying you know you speak English that's why you learn how to write in Chinese just for fun and say uh, the first amendment is not just for English anymore <laughs> I, I actually have a, very, a, a close member of the family he wants to teach me Korean so I, I'm like yeah I'm down for that I don't and and the weird thing was, he was telling me, he's like, speaking it will take you a long time, but learning the alphabet and how the, and the syntax is actually very easy. And I'm looking at him going, it's sticks and circles. This is not going to be easy for me. Well, the, the hardest part for those kind of languages is learning how to read and write them because they write left, right, top. They, they write left, right, top to, they like top to bottom, left to right. So... If you've ever seen one of those memes where, you know, if you read it a certain way, it's positive, and if you read it the way we normally read things, it's a completely negative statement, that's because somebody that put the sign together is a native uh, a native Asian speaker because they, they, were, they write differently. Ah, so. Okay. <laughs> so it, that it, makes sense. It probably will confuse you at first because... Basically, you start on the, the left-hand side and you read all the way down, and then you come back over to the next line, start at the top, read down, start at the top, read down. So it, it, it can be confusing, and I only know that because I actually have some Asian friends who tried to teach me how to speak. I, I think it, I, I believe it was Korean, actually, but that, that, was the, that was the one language I couldn't ever wrap my head around. And they're like, wait, you can speak and write in Latin, but you can't do this? So I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know what to tell you, because yeah, I can, but I can't do that. I I'm I'm of the opinion that we should all learn most Morse code. I have a feeling we're going to need that sometime in the near future. Oh, thanks, Brad. It's just like I purged <laughs> Morse by the late eight, by late nineteen eighty five. Um, you might want to relearn. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that I should. I mean, simply. I mean, I y'all saw the absolute Twitter meltdown that was going on the past couple of days. Uh, well, the funny, the funny <laughs> thing is, watching people from the outside of it, listening to all the disgruntled people that are like, because I have somebody that I follow on Facebook who's like a hardcore libertarian, and he is not a fan of. Um, Musk at all, and he's like, "Oh my God, I just heard from somebody at Twitter that Elon accidentally deactivated deactivated all their ID badges, and they're stuck. They can't even get the parking garage arm to open because he deactivated all them, like everybody's bad." I'm like, but I, you know, everybody's saying, you know, he's burning Twitter down. He just fired ninety percent of people, and blah blah blah, and all that stuff. And I'm going, y'all, you realize this is a test. 
he needs to find out who the fuck is working at Twitter. Who's doing the real work he, at Twitter? And needs, this was a test. He needs to find. <laughs> he needs to find Twitter's Alejandros. Yeah, and that's exactly what he was doing. And uh, there was a guy, he wrote a thread on it, um, Oliver Campbell, and he explained it. And I'm reading it going, yeah, my dad used to do this. He would, um, he worked for a company, they did medical products and and all that stuff. And he was actually, for a long time, the the manager of the whole, uh, the whole company, the the branch where, you know, in, in, um, in South Texas. But the owners were out of New Jersey and my dad was so good at his job that they would actually ask him, can you go to this other branch and figure out who's working, who's not and get rid of, you know, kind of like he would go in to burn the place down and then he would move on. So my dad would do that. And this is what Elon Musk was doing. He was trying to locate, he was trying to figure out who worked best under pressure and who was just riding coattails. And he just got rid of all of the graph. All of the chaff is gone. Well, and, and now he, he has these guys that really buckled down and did the job. And those are the guys that are going to be pretty much in charge of hiring other people that will help them do the job. Well, and this is the part that nobody seems to want to think about or talk about other than this person. Because honestly, he beat me to it. If I hadn't been slammed, I had planned on putting out a thread to kind of explain why the Twitter meltdown is just hilarious because these people have, <laughs> these people have honestly never run businesses before because <laughs> the simple fact of the matter is, and I did the same thing, I took over, a, I actually bought another security company when I was running mine and we merged. So the first thing I did was I started setting what, what a few of their upper management thought were impossible deadlines because I wanted to see who could meet them. Or at least who would attempt to meet them and who would just throw up their hands and leave. This is very common practice when you're trying to stress test a business, especially when Elon had already gotten a look under the hood and figured out that not everything about Twitter was what he was told. Yeah. So and that was, and so that's what he's doing. He's just clearing out chaff, and everybody's thinking, oh, he's just going to destroy Twitter. And I'm like... You had people coming in here eating $400 lunches every day, drinking wine on tap, going up to the roof to do their meditation, having yoga parties, and you're telling me that he's the one that's going to burn Twitter down. Okay. That's funny. (laughs) I'll be honest, that whole wine on tap thing, that sounds pretty cool. Well, so here's the other thing, though, right? Like, one of the first things he did when he got a look at what Twitter was doing and how they were doing things was say that the employees had to start paying for their own lunches and they lost their fucking minds. I, 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 they literally accused him of starving the people. And I'm like, so you're telling me, in essence, that these people have absolutely no concept of bringing a lunch or going to buy lunch somewhere else. He's not starving anybody. If anything, he's trying to cut down on the expenses that Twitter was running for these people who were mooching off of it. Well, I mean, think about that for a second, though. They had apparently, what, probably thousands of employees, about 90% of them weren't working, and they were also getting free wine and free food while they weren't working, while getting a salary. I mean, seriously, I saw some of that food, that viral TikTok video that went through 
Twitter. You know, my first day at Twitter, blah, 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 whatever. And I let me tell you, that girl's voice really got on my nerves. She had absolutely no intonation, and I just wanted to yank her vocal cords out. But anyway, there she's talking about, oh, this is, you know, I'm going to have lunch, and she's showing you the lunch. And I'm looking at it going, in a regular restaurant, I couldn't afford that. I couldn't afford to eat at a restaurant that served that kind of food. And I'm, and I'm like, how is that possible? How is it that Twitter is making that much money where they have the equivalent of a three-star restaurant providing free lunches for whoever shows up for work? That's just it. They weren't making that kind of money. That's why the dude sold it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's another dirty secret, you know. I mean, you, and, I mean, she opens this door to this room that has these beautiful bamboo floors that I couldn't afford for my house, but it, that's another story. And all these yoga mats, and you know, she's talking about how this is, you know, you can come do yoga if you feel the need to, you know, unwind from what? Unwind from what? You guys are not doing any. You literally showing me. Your day at Twitter, and you have yet to do any work. And that was, to me, the most eye-opening video I ever saw. Well, come she on, literally Abby. just Come on. I mean, they clock in at 8 o'clock. They have their 8.15 wine break. They have their 8.30 meditation break. They have their 9 o'clock wine break. I mean, when do you expect them to be able to work with all this wine, meditation, and food? I know. I know. That's so, you know... <laughs> harsh of me but seriously i love that she dispensed literally a, a a tea glass full of wine to go up to the roof to, to say cheers and have a good day and i'm like um you realize that a, a wine serving is five ounces okay so imagine a standard wine glass it's about half the wine glass that's at about five ounces Okay, she literally had at least 20. <laughs> I was going to say about 16, <laughs> that big glass, between 12 and 16 ounces in that glass. And I'm going, and, and it was free. They could just go and get as much wine as they wanted. It was, and, and I can, I, I mean, if, if I'm there and I have a choice between a wine dispenser and an espresso dispenser, well, I'm going to hit the wine. <laughs> Aggie. There's just so much caffeine I can use during the day. <laughs> Embrace the power of and. It's the espresso dispenser. Oh, I could do and. It's, an, it's, the, it's the espresso dispenser until about 10 a.m. And then you start changing over to, to wine when you get closer to lunchtime. That way you can start coming down from all the extra caffeine. But, I mean, so, well, this is the irony of it, though. If you really look at what he's done so far... He's actually trimmed so much fat that nobody knew was a part of Twitter that he's probably single-handedly saving it. But all the people that have lost their jobs want everybody freaking the fuck out. That I mean, at this point, I have. I mean, you know, it, first of all, it's Twitter. Second of all, the mm-hmm. dude built a company that has basically trained a rocket to sit. I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> Well, and, and and here the big dirty secret. I mean, these people are very young. They know how to code. So it's not like they will be lacking a job anywhere. They just wanted this particular job. Because they didn't have to do anything. 
I mean, shit. Exactly. If, if I would have known what it was like to work at Twitter, I would have fucking tried to go to work at Twitter. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I'm telling you, and here's the the weirdest thing about this whole situation is that you have journalists out there trying to make these people that got fired the victims. They're not the victims. They're literally the perpetrators. It's because of them that Twitter has had severe issues and it's not trusted and is, you know, all of these dirty secrets that are coming up. But And, and, and they're not the good guys. They're just not. No, they're not. <laughs> But but the media has to make them that way. Speaking of which, you're getting shade from the chat. They're like, we've never heard of this five-ounce wine glass thing you speak of. Jeff is like, five-ounce wine? That's not a, that's not a serving. That's, that, that, that's a sample. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a serving. Admittedly, I don't observe it as a serving either, but that's technically the serving. It's five ounces of wine. So, you know, well, the interesting thing for me while we're on the subject of wine, I remember the first time I went to an actual official wine tasting and I realized you were supposed to be spitting the shit out. I'm like, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> I know. I I, actually, I went to one in Germany and we were supposed to use the, the uh, you know, they, they have a, like a pail and it's a very pretty pale, you know, it looks very, very nice and shiny on the outside. It has these nice little round uh, handles, you know, and everything. It's very pretty. And you're supposed to spit in it. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. People are spitting in that. I can't spit in that. <laughs> so I drank it. Man, I'm telling you, after like the sixth one, I was like so high. <laughs> I just said, I just said, I got to go sit. <laughs> The well, same thing happened. I, I went to a wine dinner uh, the last uh, week I was there. <laughs> and they didn't tell me that there was going to be... You know, when you walk in, and you walk in to tour the, um, where they, you know, the, they have the barrels and, and all that stuff. And this place is like, you know, a thousand years old, you know, and all that stuff. So it's kind of cool. So they hand you a glass of champagne. Okay, you don't think anything of it. You drink it. You sit down. They bring you the the grapes and um, soda crackers and um, some teas or something to cleanse the palate before you start eating, which never made sense to me, but okay, and some wine. And so you drink that. And then they bring you something else to eat and another, a different glass of wine. And that's when you realize that there's going to be 50, different wines being tasted that night and you're like oh shit I'm not going to make it well, and I didn't well that's because each each offering is paired with a different type of wine so the, well the interesting thing is after going through two or three different wine tastings because that was uh, for some my mom actually was who got me started with all that when, when I was uh, younger um, because she decided one of the ways she used to make money on the side was, you remember the traveling salesman people that would do like the Waterford Crystal stuff? You ever, do yes. you ever remember that? Yeah, my, my mom used to sell that. So when I was a kid, she would actually you know, do, she would do setup shows with, uh, with me. And basically while they were doing the crystal thing, they would do like a wine tasting and then they would, they would have cheese and this, that, and the other. So she would actually treat me as if I was one of the customers. So I kind of learned the whole, you know, 
how to do a wine tasting, you know, how to let it breathe, you know, make sure you you, know, you can get a decent idea of what it's going to taste like by, you know, smelling the cork, swash it, swish it around, look for color. The one thing that, because, you know, I was like probably, third, man, by that time, I think I was maybe 12. So, of course, he made me spit it out. The one thing my mom never realized is I have, is I'm a lot smarter than I look. So I would always hold it under my tongue before I spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> because, yeah, for those of you who don't know, if you're trying to be sneaky in a wine tasting and you still want to look like everybody else, you can still get the same effect by holding it under your tongue for about ten or fifteen seconds before you spit it out. Especially because if you do it right, you'll have you'll have sampled at least six or seven different kinds of wine before you leave anyway. So yeah, because then you look like everybody else and they don't think you're a lush. Just and for me, I already have a limp, so everybody assumes I'm drunk already anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, um, I, I admit that there's a certain schadenfreude with what's happening at Twitter, which is, you know, great for me because that's my name, sort of. But Sort of. Uh, I, it, it, to me, it amazes me at the amount of people that don't understand that this is how you run a company. You have to find who is going to work for you, who's going to do the best for the company. You want to keep those employ those people employed. You want to get rid of the ones that do not contribute anything. You want to get rid of those who are hindering those that do want to accomplish things and do want to do work for the company that want the company to excel. Because if the company excels, so do they. But that's just it, Aggie. This is not how the tech industry has ever had to worry about running a company before. Because they've always been able to latch onto the government teat. This is why Google has, like, nap rooms and, you know, campus cars that people can use if they're trying to go from one part of the campus to the other. Uh, because they have they have had access to unlimited government funding. The problem is those things are drying up because as tech has evolved, the government's not having to invest in it as richly as it did before because now it's starting to design its own instead of relying on private companies to do so. And that's part of the reason why Twitter could afford at first, you know, open wine bars that you don't have to pay for, you know, <laughs> five-star Michelin or five Michelin restaurant quality food um, that you didn't have to pay for. And but the, but the problem is once they took it private, once they took it from private to public, and they started having to answer to stockholders, you can't tell me that the stockholders weren't going. Why the fuck are these people getting eat for free when I, when some of that money could be going into my dividends? Correct. And Correct. I, I and at the end of the day, that's what that was the that was like the biggest um, alarm. Um. You know, and and so you know, the first time when Elon Musk kind of floated the idea of buying Twitter, and then he was invited to sit at the board, and then he figured out how the board was working. He's like, "Yeah, I'm out." And so he decided, you know what? Why don't I buy it? People got upset, not because he was buying it, but because the purchase would actually expose the inner workings of Twitter. And that's that's what, what they were afraid of. But but everybody everybody think about it for a second though because everybody thought or what everybody thought was we're going to find out that Twitter's not what we thought it was that they have been targeting conservatives this that and the other but that wasn't what they were ultimately afraid of 
they were afraid of their free ride coming to an end because these these yeah. people weren't having to pay for anything and they were getting salaries. Yeah, uh, that that whole my favorite part was when this weekend he said that the Twitter offices were going to be closed Friday through Monday, and they were bitching about it. It's like, oh my god. For four days? Oh, my God. I'm like, what? Are you pissed off that it's not all seven like you used to have? <laughs> is, is, is that the problem? I didn't understand why they were so upset. I'd be like, woohoo, four-day weekend. Here I come. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they, were, they were expecting four days of free food, I guess. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I really don't understand it. And then everybody, because uh, Musk apparently started talking about this whole Twitter 2.0 thing, and everybody's like, oh my god, he's going to kill it before it ever gets started. I don't think Twitter 2.0 means what we think it means. No, it does not. It does not. And I, and he does that on purpose. He throws phrase, phrasing out there. He's really, really good at picking the right thing to say in order to tweak the most people. And he did that on purpose. And he's just testing the waters to see how people react. I swear to God, Musk, he is so good at incentivizing social engineering, but in a good way. He actually exposes a lot of the rot that comes about from the actual social engineering that governments do, uh, that companies do, that society as a whole tends to do, trying to um, push agendas and such. But what he does is he uses that in order to expose the rottenness behind the social engineering. So he always chooses his wordings very carefully. Everybody says, oh, my God, he speaks so carelessly. He does not. He really does not. And um, they... They really don't grasp that yet. They still fall for it. It's almost in, in, in the same way President Trump really knew how to tweak people by saying you know certain things and certain phrases and just going off the deep end and, and people would just absolutely lose their ever-loving shit over it. Musk does the same thing in a more subtle way for better results. And before anybody thinks that you know we've completely fallen in love with Elon Musk, look, I understand that he's been in a lot of in a lot of things that, oh, he, no. that he talks about. I'm going to disagree with. I do think that him being in charge of Twitter is probably going to wind up being one of the best things that ever happened to Twitter. Because the thing about it is, if they could already afford the things that they if they could, legit, and I don't think they necessarily could. I still think that's one of the reasons why it was being sold. But if at one point they could have afforded all the amenities they were giving to their employees, imagine what can be done if that money gets put into the right places now. And that that is that is what he is literally trying to do, which is pissing people off because they had a free gravy train. They had the best gravy train. They had a three-star gravy train, okay? Their gravy train wasn't gravy. It was Fucking mousse and pate and creme brulee. <laughs> Their gravy train had a chocolate fountain, damn it. Just oh my god, chocolate. <laughs> After this half fudge in the refrigerator. <laughs> but no, I mean, literally, if I had known that the job was that easy, where basically you did nothing all day and got paid for it, I would have tried to figure out how to go to work there. 
Yeah, and you know, and you know, Brad brings up the point that somebody else made. Twitter 2.0 isn't about the outward Twitter; it's the inner workings of Twitter. So the outward thing is not going to be affected. It's the inner workings that they need to figure out, and that's what that's what Elon Musk is doing now. Like you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk. I love what he does because, as somebody who studies human nature, it's great to see somebody that has that touchstone that that is a touchstone for other um, uh, to set off other uh, other um, um, oh I can't I know the word and I can't think of it but in ten, in, he will either incentivize a group of people or he would just drive them bad shit it's lovely to watch as, a, as as somebody who just sits back and watches human nature. He's great for that. I, I mean, honest to God, I will go to Twitter and I will look him up and see what did he say today because I want to see the absolute batshit insanity that's trending on Twitter. And it's usually because he says something. And it's awesome. He knows exactly what to say just to get a reaction out of people. And, but he, like I said, he does it very purposely and there is an agenda that he's adhering to, but the agenda is usually to further, you know, his business or, you know, to clean house or, you know, do, there's, there's a good purpose usually to it. But yeah, you're right. I'm not an Elon Musk. Uh, I'm not a muskie or whatever it is that they call them, muscat. I don't know. I have no idea what they call them. <laughs> Muskeets. I don't know. Uh, but no. Um... The one thing that I do find is so is so is so humorous to me, and we've touched on this before, is all the people that are like, "Oh my God, Elon Musk is so free speech that he just blocked me." It's his account. Did he remove you from a platform, or just make it to where he didn't have to see your stupidity anymore? Yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking of accounts, he brought back Jordan Peterson, the Babylon Bee, and Kathy Griffin. Mm. So. Uh, you know, and I, I, and it's funny to watch because the left was absolutely losing their minds over this. Keep in mind, Kathy only got, you know, suspended because she was impersonating Elon. The other two were being homophobic bigots who were targeting blah, transvesti- blah, blah. transsexuals or whatever, transgendered uh, people. <laughs> you almost said transvestites. You're about to get Kayla uh, kicked off. <laughs> I know, I so, and I'm and I'm like, and then on the other hand, I was like, wow. So they brought back Jordan Peterson and Babylon B and Kathy Griffith, who actually posted a picture of herself with a bloody head of you know in, of Trump in effigy, and he thinks it's okay. So both sides were pissed off about it. You know, and all I could think was, you know, he did it on again. He does it on purpose. On purpose. So, you know, back to the back to the transgender thing for just a second since you kinda of brought it up again. I, I finally figure out who I blame for all this though. Who? Kurt Russell. What? He made he made transgender cool than Tango and Cash. Uh you know, he was still so manly and I I don't know. I w- I would say I would say that he did not do justice like Patrick Swayze did into Wong Fu. 
Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Yeah, no. I still I still want his entire wardrobe from that movie. Actually, not gonna lie. Actually, believe it or not, I actually really liked that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. I really, really love that movie because it does teach several lessons that you know a lot of people should learn, regardless of whether you know you're a drag queen or you're a transgendered person or you know a, a transvestite or whatever. It it does teach you really good things in that movie, so I've always enjoyed it. And his the costumes in there are just awesome. So <laughs> yeah, I actually found that movie by accident one day, and I was like, "Holy shit, is that Patrick Swayze in drag?" Oh my god, it is. Yes, yes, and he. I'm sorry, he knocked it out of the park. I was like, "How did he do?" And then I remember he was on uh, Oprah. They were they were. Um, they were talking about the movie, and it was him and Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo, and they were talking about the movie and everything. And he said that it was his wife, Lisa, who helped him, you know, with the whole contouring and doing this. And, and I mean, he was a dancer for a very long time, so he's, his figure was, was very trim and everything. But she helped him with the, uh, the girdle and how to, you know, do this and how to do that. And, of course, Oprah asks Wesley Snipes if he could ever date somebody that looked like Noxima. And he's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, oh, that was you. <laughs> but uh, I love that movie. I really do. And one of my favorite favorite parts of, of that movie is the, um, the lessons that the two are trying to teach John Leguizamo about being a drag queen. And the last one always sticks with me. Number four, step four, and the last step to being a fabulous drag queen is larger than life is just the right size. And I live by that every day. Even though I'm not a drag queen, I always live by that every day because it's true. You have to do things that are larger than life in order to enjoy life. So I, I, I do. It's, I, I love that movie. But no, I got to say, Patrick had it, had it better than... Thank Kurt Russell. And that's saying a lot because I, I worship at the altar of Kurt Russell. <laughs> that man is still hot after all these years. So you, just admitted, so you just admitted to being on your knees in front of Kurt Russell. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> well, this took a turn. You still seem surprised oh, by this when it happens. I, I don't know why. It's like we haven't worked together before. <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. Now, I, you know, it, it's funny because I remember watching um, his movies, The Computer War, Tennis Shoes, and you know, all the stuff that he did for Disney. But I started on in Spanish, you know, when I was growing up. And then when we moved here, The Wonderful World of Disney was still on. So every so often... I would see one of his movies in English and it helped me because I remembered in Spanish what they were talking about. So it helped me with my English a little better, you know, learning it a little quicker and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing Fess Parker, you know, and all that stuff. So it was, it was, it was always, I, I think my favorite wonderful world of Disney movie that I remember seeing growing up was the eighth Avenue Irregulars. Do you remember that movie? I actually do not know. Oh my gosh, it was it was Edward Herman and he was a preacher 
at a uh, at a school, and there was um, apparently a a gambling ring in town, and he was um, he was trying to break it, and he couldn't get anybody to help him. So the people that were helping him were all of these members of his. Um, parish, but they were all women. Cloris Leachman was one of them, and you know, and, and all this stuff. It, it was just all of these old women were trying to help him catch, you know, the <laughs> the, the gambler. What, what, what did you say the name of the movie was again? The Eighth Avenue Irregulars. Are you sure? Was it the North Avenue Irregulars? I. Maybe it was North Avenue Regulars, one of the two, but it was with Edward Herman. I remember that distinctly. He was the preacher. And Cloris Leachman was in it. Yeah, Edward uh, Edward Herman, Barbara Harris, Karen Valentine, and Susan Clark. It was the, Susan it was, Clark, yes. Was she the, was the love interest. It was the North Avenue Regulars. North Avenue, okay. Which, but yeah, I love that. I loved that movie, movie growing so yeah, up. <laughs> <laughs> Only, I mean, seriously, and it and it's funny because that movie has never been rebooted. Out of all of the Disney shit that they reboot all the time, that one needs to be rebooted because that one was actually pretty fun. Speaking of Disney reboots, have you heard all the kerfuffle over the Santa Clauses? No, I have been. I have been wondering why Disney is trying to recruit me right now. <laughs> As you guys know, I used to work for the Disney stores and I spent some time at Disney World. They sent out an email looking for former interns to go back to intern at the parks. And I'm going, let me get this straight. You want us to go back and intern 30 or 40 years after <laughs> we've been there <laughs> for very little pay and we have to pay rent, which has gone up since we've been there. <laughs> I don't I don't see the upside. <laughs> but apparently there's a hiring freeze. And so they're trying to get old interns to come back and intern for the, you know, for fun times and all that stuff. And I'm going wait a minute, you guys are laying people off, you have a hiring freeze in play in, in place, and now you want former interns to come back and intern again? I, no, no. So there's there's that, so what's the ker- kerfuffle with the Santa Clauses? Well, before we get into that, tell, tell, tell them that you'll only accept the offer if you get the Twitter compensation plan. Oh my God, let me tell you something. When I was there, I every so often would work one of the kiosks, you know, the sell, selling of the ice cream or whatever. Um, we, if we were not at the commissary after work, we had to pay for our own food at the parks. And we could not eat in front of guests. We had to go to a different place to go eat so that we would not be seen eating, okay? Because that's kind of rude. We were still in uniform, but we had to pay if we didn't have the commissary. The commissary we had, when I was there, it was like one free meal a day, and the rest we had to pay for, even though we were interns. I mean, seriously, it is not a glamorous job. It is a sucky job. 
But a lot of people wanted to do it because it's a very good networking job. It's yeah. a good jumping off point. So, but that doesn't apply now, 20 or 30 years later, when they're trying to get old interns to come back as interns because they're not hiring anybody. I don't need networking anymore. But all right, so so anyway. So the Santa Claus is Disney Plus series, Tim Allen reprising his role as Santa Claus. And in I believe it was actually the premiere, the premiere episode. So basically, he's going through the naughty and nice list, and one of the elves is sitting there going, we can't use the word naughty anymore, and we say this now instead. So the elf goes through this whole thing as, you know, Tim Allen's, you know, talking, basically starts elf-splaining wokeness to Santa Claus. So Tim Allen's character becomes visibly frustrated and says, you know, that's the problem with things today. You can't even say Merry Christmas to all anymore without somebody getting upset. The left has taken that. And just ran with it. And I'm like, first of all, you guys are acting like this wasn't in context. He was literally had a character elf-splaining wokeness to him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That is... That's pretty sad when you think about it. The, the funny thing is, I can almost imagine Tim Allen, like, ad-libbing at me, like, are you elf-splaining me right now? Are you literally, are you really elf-splaining me right now? <laughs> elf-splaining. <laughs> Too funny. But I mean, so, and, well, the funny thing is, I put, I put that on Facebook earlier, I'm like, everybody's acting like his character wasn't being elf-splained wokeness when he made the comment. Yes, his character was visibly frustrated, because you can't say naughty anymore, you can't do this anymore, everybody should get a toy, and he's like, you know, that's the problem with the world today, you can't even say Merry Christmas to all anymore without somebody getting offended. And that's kind of the whole point of the first episode, is Christmas is dying. <laughs> he's like, the list, yes. the list gets shorter every year, there's less kids that are on it, and even the kids, and at this point we're talking about, his, he's been he's been in this role now uh, for nearly 30 years um, and so a lot of the kids when he first assumed the role are now adults and you know they've had kids but they're not they're not talking to them about Santa and this that and the other and that's what he's trying to explain to everybody he's like it's getting to the point where my rounds are getting shorter and shorter I can't do the things that I used to be able to do and I mean at one point they literally start they, they start bringing up you know the, the Santa Claus card from the very first movie Mm-hmm. There was fine print they never showed that talked about the retirement plan, and the retirement plan was the Latin word for uh, was uh, Caesarius, I think is how it's pronounced. But anyway, it's it's basically the Latin word for retirement, which I think is interesting Aww. because the Latin that means the the root word for the English word success is actually the Latin word for retirement. That speaks volumes, if you ask me. It does. It does actually. Oh man! <laughs> and he put one of my favorite cartoons. <laughs> A deleted scene from the Charlie Brown Christmas special, <laughs> and it's the monster from <laughs> the thing. <laughs> you realize I'm gonna have to have all the lights on again. Thanks a lot, MD. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one, uh, Vicky and I did the, you know, the top five movies that we have to watch, 
you know, for Halloween and and everything. And I try not to do slasher flicks. I'm not really into the whole slasher genre, but the thing is always on my list. It is for me. It is still the scariest movie I've ever seen. I end up turning all of the lights in the house, regardless of the time of the day. It could be coming on at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm still turning on lights. It's just a habit. And it scares the hell out of me. And I just, I mean, for like five or six hours after that, I'm just like a bundle of nerves. And I just, but I got to watch it. It's like, it's kind of like a, a thing for me. No pun intended. So, so I like, I like that cartoon, but now I have to turn on all the lights. <laughs> I'm a geek that way. I can't help it. <laughs> you're you're a mess. Anyway, so speaking of you know you having you having to have every light in the house on, I kind of thought this was appropriate. Every light in the house is on. The backyard's bright as a crack of dawn. It's Aggie every time she watches the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't help it. I it's just it's a thing for me and 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 it's the only one that I actually do that for. Um, I don't know why. I, I still honestly I don't even remember the name of the, the movie to this day. Um so I mean you guys know about about Alien and me being like six years old, my parents taking me to watch it in the theater. There's another one and it was like a cheesy sort of B rated sci fi movie. But it scared the shit out of me, dude. I remember as a kid, I I was pr- I had to probably be around nine or ten because it was after my parents divorced, but it was before we moved, so I was probably nine or ten years old. And it was it, the whole premise of the movie was that the people had contracted a virus that when they fell asleep, their head exploded. So these people were literally trying to do everything they could to stay up for days on end. And I remember for like, I was like, holy crap! I was like terrified to go to sleep after I watched this movie. I was like up to like five thirty the next morning until I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, please get me fall asleep. I'm afraid my head's gonna explode. So the worst thing is, it was it was it was Sunday and we were supposed to go somewhere. My mom kept trying to get me out of bed. I'm like. I want to get up and go to sleep last night and I watched the movie and scared me so much. Get your ass up! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever saw that. I, I literally had nightmares about that movie for like three or four days. <laughs> to the point where I was like terrified to go to sleep. It was weird. Um, and I haven't even, I actually haven't even been able to find it again. I've even tried to do like a Google search for people, you know, movie about people who fall asleep and their head explodes. I can't find it. <laughs> I, I've never even heard of that. Which is, um, which is I, you know, is here and I bet you if I put him on the trail of it, he might find it for you. Yeah, so, I, I was just, I'll ask. that was actually kind of what got me into the whole thing of, you know, not to. Not to make this a juxtaposition because that's not the nice week, but that's kind of what got me into the whole idea of Mandela effects. Was when years later I realized I couldn't find this movie, and I'm like, I know for a fact I watch this fucking movie. Why can't I not find it anywhere? Uh, no, I. It's the same thing with me. I remember distinctly when I was little, I saw this movie. It was in Spanish, and you know, it's you know one of those cheesy '50s, early '60s movies or whatever. 
And it was about this man who was a, I guess, a butterfly scientist. And he had all of these moths in his lab and all that stuff. And his wife and the lab partner conspired to kill him because they wanted to be together, right? And the moths knew what was going on and tried to warn the the scientist and but it was too late by the time the scientist figured out what was happening the science they killed the scientist or whatever and they they got rid of the body or something or whatever but the moths decided to exact their revenge and it was the weirdest thing ever i mean and it wasn't like they the moths picked up you know weapons or anything but they they started like flying around and like in, in patterns and they would stick to the walls and make like, you know, a, a pattern or something and it would freak her out or whatever. And then they attacked her by flying at her face and they backed her into this spike that was in the wall. Now, what a spike is doing in the wall, I have no idea. But that's how they killed her. So I remember that distinctly. Cannot find that movie. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I know that happened. So I get I get your whole Mandela effect with the movies because I can't find this movie either. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't recognize that one either. No, no, but I I'm telling you, I'm very sure that that movie existed. I just don't know. I maybe it was my brain. I don't know. But anyway, we're getting close I, to the top I, of the hour. I actually found it. It was it, you found. It was weird, because actually, just for the fun of it, while we were on air, I decided to search for it. It was called The Alpha Incident. It was 1978. It's called what? It was called the, the movie that I that I could never find. Uh-huh. I found it. It's called The Alpha Incident. It was made in 1978. Oh. Okay. Coolness. Okay, so there's no Mandela effect there. It but did exist. Well, honestly, I still blame CERN. <laughs> Remember, they fired up CERN not too long ago again, and things went weird because that wasn't there the last time I looked. It's like the it's like the top search result right now. I literally so I literally sad. typed in something that I typed in at least five other times. Movie plot: people fall asleep and their head explodes. It's the very first thing that comes up, and it's never shown up before now. That's just weird to me. <laughs> I think you said the Alpha Effect, right? Uh, it was called the Alpha Incident. Trapped in a well- railway station, people struggle to stay awake. For if they fall asleep, even for a minute, the virus strikes, their brains swell and explode out of their skull. Oh, yeah, that's the movie. Cause I remember it was it was fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> Scanners was pretty gross. That movie kind of freaked me out. Thanks, mom for making me sit down with you to watch it because you didn't want to watch anything alone. I swear, my mother my mother is the reason I'm skittish for horror movies. I'd be, I'd be going to the kitchen from my bedroom and she's like, come sit with me and watch a movie. And of course, you don't say no to mom. Uh, yeah. So I would sit down, what's the movie? Oh, it's just The Exorcist. <laughs> just The Exorcist. It's just, it's just Amityville Horror. It's just, you know, fill in the blank. And it was always a scary movie. She never sat down to watch any romantic shit. My mom always watched, like, dirty shit, and then maybe I had my eyes when the bad shit happened. 
<laughs> like, one of the first movies I remember sitting down and watching with my mom after my dad left was The World According to Garp. And she's like, okay, you gotta turn your head now. <laughs> I, I watched that movie years later. I was fucking scarred, dude. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, man, I remember when that came on HBO and my, my mom said, no, you can't watch that. I'm like, okay. You'll let me watch the Amityville Horror, but not this. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's like so mad. I wanted to watch it. It was with, with you know, Mork from Mork. Yeah, but, it, yeah. And that's honestly the only reason I wanted to watch it, because it was Mork from Mork. But, yeah, that, that wasn't the kind of character he was playing. It, it was, no, it was not. It was not. But still, it's a, I, it's a good movie. It, well, don't get me wrong. It's a great movie, but it's it's, like, bad from jump to end, because... The whole story of how this dude even comes to be is just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so I watched it years later as an adult, and I'm like, I'm really kind of wishing my mom would have been here to tell me to turn my head. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's never going to be the same for me now. <laughs> Sorry. Mike, you do not make it easy. <laughs> he just posted in the chat. <laughs> New movie about JoJo from Jersey, The Amityville Whore. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I try very, very hard not to disparage women on the basis of looks or weight or anything like that. But chick, if you're gonna put your real face out there, you need to make that match your Abby. <laughs> because, you know, this is not doing you any favors. You just you know this is just ridicule. And when and the weird thing is when we point it out, we get accused of, you know, misogyny. And I'm like, no, I just want the two pictures to match. That's it. Dude, it's why I just decided years ago, I'm just putting my fucking picture up here. Y'all want to make fun of me, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but yeah, I It mean, sounds like there's a party going on at your place. Yeah, Gracie and Anna <laughs> are playing in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the top of the hour, so we should uh, make tracks to sign off. So, where can we find you, Rick? Don't, Aside from the fa family room, you know, having fun. Don't, don't find me. It's a trap. Um, <laughs> you, you can find me on most social media, including now True Social at RowdyRick73. Uh, you can find me. I'll be off for the rest of the weekend. So I'll be back Tuesday um, doing whatever with Stacey at 7 Eastern. Then I'll, uh, 7.30 Eastern, sorry. And then I'll be back uh, producing for you guys at, uh, what, uh, 8 45-ish Eastern, I think. Shit, I don't know. Well, yeah, I need to talk to you about that. But so far, yeah, either 8.30 or 8.45 Eastern. We can do 8.30 if it's easier. Uh, it might be easier for Brad. That so can, can we switch back to the old original? Yeah, well, because if nothing else, I'll just leave the feed open and we'll just run commercials while I'm pulling you guys up and then I can just edit like I do on Wednesdays. So it's not a big deal. Okay. All righty. Oh, yeah, I was, cool. was going to kind of talk to you guys about that anyway. I was like, you know, if I just leave the feed open, we don't need as much time because we can just run like five or six minutes of commercials and nobody has to worry about F5-ing or anything else either. Oh, so. that's cool. But yeah, I was going to actually talk to you guys about that this next weekend, or actually this last week. Oh, hey, we solved the problem. Yay. <laughs> God, now I have vanilla ice in my head. 
<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Yo, I love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where can folks find you? Uh, well, you can find me at Aggie Regan and at Aggie the Barkeep. That's over. That's the cocktail account. That's over on Twitter. I'm also on Getter. I'm other places, but you know, whatever. I'm usually just hanging out on Twitter. Um, you can find me eight thirty p.m. Eastern. Tuesday nights doing the cocktail lounge with the affable, quaffable Brad Slager and 8.30 p.m. Eastern Friday nights doing He Said, She Said with the lovable Mickey Blowtorch usually, but he needed the night off tonight. Um, And once a month, we do Toxic Masculinity last Wednesday of every month at 8 p.m. Eastern. So tune in for that, too. You know, I'm, thanks so much. I'm a sla- I'm a slacker though, because I actually meant to bring you a drink for once, and I forgot to. I, I had one in mind, and I forgot to look it up. <laughs> so next time, I, next time I pinch hit, I'll bring you a drink for once. Awesome. That sounds cool. All right. All right. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Have a good evening. I'm used to being the one that closes. It's not my fault. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.